Hello, you're listening to Sanseet. This is Aaron O'Dowd. The Justin Vanderwin interview will be a two-part episode. In the first episode, we'll be talking about Kriya Yoga, his explanation of Kriya Yoga, his journey, his stories, and how he got introduced to Kriya Yoga and other spiritual modalities. Welcome, you're listening to Sanseesh. where you'll find everything to do with spirituality, life lessons, holistic living, and medicine. To become your true self. We all have stories, journeys, experiences, and love. Here's your host, Aaron O'Dowd. Hello and welcome. My name is Aaron O'Dowd. On today's episode, we have Justin Vanderwin. He is a person who is seeking the world and area of holistic medicine and spirituality. He is initiated into Kriya Yoga and discovering various scriptures, religions, and other things. Welcome to the show, Justin. Hi, thanks for having me on, Aaron. How are you today? I'm very well. Uh, describe to us how you discovered this area. Was it through curiosity or just found it? I think I've always been a truth seeker at heart, even when I was young. Um, it didn't really start out with spirituality so much. I just, I just was always interested in the great mysteries of life. Anything really that was mysterious and unknown um, and sort of unexplained by mankind was always a great deal of interest for me. I've, I've always been had a fascination with the paranormal and you know extraterrestrials and you know things like that just because there was so much controversy and and mystery surrounding them and uh, it wasn't until I I kept digging and digging that that I found a book on on spirituality and discovered that I had a a really strong hunger for that type of truth so that started really when I think my, my very first book was when I was 12 and I just happened to be in a bookstore because I loved books and I found a book called um I, I can't remember the exact title, but it, it's uh, it, part of the title was um, Bridging Science and Religion, and that really resonated with me. I thought that was an interesting idea, if we could take whatever religion is and, uh, you know, spirituality and make it something that's understandable and practical for, for everybody in ways that they can understand, um, that was something that was very appealing to me. So. I read that, um, you know, and then, but it wasn't until I, a few years later when I was 15, um, I was given a book called Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh that a lot of people might be familiar with. And that really changed my life. It had a big impact on my uh, awareness. Um, it felt like I was sort of, you know, as I read the book, it, it almost felt like I was remembering a lot of these truths from somewhere inside of me. So it was really the first time that I had. Uh, sort of my my initial experience in this life anyway with with what people would call you my inner spirit or my inner self um and i just sort of i fell in love with it and i just wanted more and from there i just absorbed every spiritual book and idea that i could get my hands on um and i talked to a lot of different metaphysical people and you know it 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 felt it it didn't feel like i was learning it which was weird it felt like i was sort of putting the pieces back together like I was sort of remembering it and so that's when I, I kind of re- I 
intuitively understood that things like past lives, that's that's certainly a truth because there's no way that I or, or other people that are younger who have these sort of, you know, uh, impulses and interests in these things and, and knowledge, even, there's no way that they, they could just pick all, you know, that's just coming from nowhere, you know? I started meditation when I was 17. I guess that was kind of a big year for me. I, I was introduced to so many different things. I started meditating with a, a technology called Holosync, uh, uh, the, the Holosync solution. And what that was basically is uh, some guys discovered that uh, different frequencies and uh, what they call amplitudes of sound and, and something they developed a little later on called binaural beats, um, they had a profound impact on the brain and actually caused it to, you know, when they would listen to these things, they could actually go into deep meditative states, basically at the click of a button. And furthermore, the by exposing the brain to these different frequencies and amplitudes, they were actually able to uh, sort of grow the brain. Neuron uh, connections would, would grow and become strengthened. And as they, uh, you know, they could sort of take the amplitudes and frequencies deeper and deeper and deeper to get more and more, um, to, to sort of grow the mind more and more and, and meditate deeper and deeper. Um, so I experienced that for a few years and it was fantastic. Then I, I explored the Rosicrucian uh, path a little bit and basically anybody that's listening, you can just go online and search, search Rosicrucianism and find all kinds of information on it. And the organization I went through was called AMORC, A-M-O-R-C, and um, that stands for the Ancient Mystical Order of the Rose Cross. And basically, you can—it's kind of—it's—it's kind of a secret society. Um, but anybody can um, join. They'll send you what they call monographs, which is sort of—they—they um, they kind of do the same thing at Self-Realization Fellowship. They'll send you sort of um, bi-weekly or monthly little pamphlets of information, and you sort of study and grow um, at your own pace. And um, but. Then, it was around that same time I was introduced to a book called Autobiography of a Yogi, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. And that really resonated with me stronger than anything I've, I've felt before. And they talk about the science of Kriya Yoga meditation. Um, it's described as the fastest route to God realization. And that really appealed to me. Um, I guess you could say a part of me was always trying to find a way to realize God the fastest way. And I, I wasn't really cognizant of that at the time, but when I read those words by uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, I was I I just felt like this is what I've been looking for, and so I so, I sort of started to look for Kriya Yoga anywhere I could. And Kriya Yoga is not something that you can just go learn anywhere. <clears throat> you really have to find a you know a a, a legitimate lineage um, of of gurus, and you have to go learn the technique from an authorized uh, teacher or the guru themselves and so that kind of took a little while for me to find out the best place for me to do that I flew to California um, and stayed with uh, there's a group called Ananda and that's headed by one of Paramahansa Yogananda's direct disciples um, his name is Swami Kriyananda and he was with SRF and decided to s sort of spin off and um, Yogananda always wanted to, he had a vision for what he called Brotherhood Colonies of Light, where it was sort of like communities 
of people living together, not like a commune, but but much larger than that. Like people actually had their own houses and things, but it was just like an area where everyone was practicing Kriya Yoga, and there was like this mass um, consciousness that was that was sort of uh, growing and and being cultivated there. And so that's what he did in, with Ananda, and, and I experienced that in Northern California a little bit, and it was amazing because you know when you when you practice Kriya Yoga meditation or any spiritual practice, you sort of generate the your spirit or your energy or your aura is sort of um, expanded and strengthened and, and cleansed. Um, and when you practice with other people that are doing the same thing, there's sort of this uh, collective aura or energy, so you can actually grow a little faster when you when you're in those environments um and that's why things like ashrams are helpful because they can speed up your progress even more but if you could do that in a scale that was like a whole entire community and the place i went was actually in, in the northern it was in the mountains of northern california so the energy was unbelievable it was it was almost like a whole nother world because it just fit the vibrations were were so high that um it, it was just it was like magical just being there. So I was pursuing Kriya Yoga through Yogananda initially, but I was rerouted to uh, an ashram in Homestead, Florida that was started by um, Paramahamsa Hariharinanda. And I was a little, I was kind of intrigued because it was only about an hour and a half from where I lived and grew up in West Palm Beach, Florida. And, but you know, Yogananda never spoke of this particular guru. So I wasn't, I was a little skeptical. I didn't, I didn't really know who he was, but I thought maybe it was just some kind of, uh, you know, spin-off or something. Because there are there are a lot of people out there that claim to be gurus or teachers that aren't, um, you know, they 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 haven't reached that the true state of enlightenment that that uh, is needed for someone to be a true guru to guide disciples. Um, and so you really do. I mean, the masters themselves will guide you. I mean, they'll they'll recommend you to sort of uh, be skeptical about them even and, and sort of you know, test them out to see whether they're, they're true or authentic or not. Usually, because especially in India, there's a lot of people that kind of, um, you know, there's people out there that sort of take advantage of, of the spiritual movement and they, they're, they're interested in sort of having a large following and, you know, getting money and being exalted in and of themselves and things like that. So I was initiated into Kriya Yoga in January of 2008 and I've been practicing pretty regularly ever since. I'm always striving to, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm I'm always striving to deepen my practice and you know, any any discipline that requires sort of daily practice um you know, certainly the mind and the ego kind of can can become they it starts to resist or you know, it distract you with you know, th- other things it might want to do. Um, so the spiritual path isn't necessarily easy, um, but like anything, you know, you sort of have to just uh, kind of kind of go against what the ego wants and, and just practice it anyway, and you, you will um, reap the results. Uh, and by the way, Paramahamsa Hari Harananda was actually also a direct disciple of uh, Swami Sri Yukteswar, um, but he came to him when Sri Yukteswar was a lot older. And Yogananda was already in the West teaching, um, so that's why he's not really in the autobiography of a yogi. Um, but he, he's actually a unique yogi in that he, his primary guru is Swami Sri Yukteswar, 
but he learned second Kriya from Yogananda himself. Um, and he learned third Kriya from uh, Swami Satyananda, who um, also was a disciple of Sri Yukteswar and sort of a, a brother disciple of Yogananda. Um, and then he he learned uh, the fourth, fifth, and sixth levels of Kriya from uh, the youngest disciple of Lahiri Mahashaya, who was the father of Kriya Yoga in the East. Um, his name was Bhupendranath uh, Sanyal Mahashaya. And um, so so the lineage is, is kind of long and very unique um, in that there's so many masters sort of in the same lineage. Um, and what's beautiful is that uh, Paramahamsa Hariharananda left a uh, realized successor behind, which is our Guruji Paramahamsa Pragyananda. Uh, and it's really just been a, an amazing, beautiful experience. And um, <clears throat> after I was practicing Kriya for a while, uh, a friend of mine, uh, for about a year, a friend of mine kept urging me to read a book called The Disappearance of the Universe by Gary Renard. And I was very reluctant because, um, you know, I, I felt that I already had my spiritual path, and I, I really didn't, I really didn't want to to take anything else on, or, you know, it's it's not that it's any path is better or worse, um, but it's really I, ideal to sort of stick with one path because. Um, you know, it's it's. First of all, you kind of over. If you have too many techniques, you overload yourself. Um, and it, it's kind of it's kind of like the idea that uh, a jack of all trades is a master of none. So it's actually more beneficial to uh, devote yourself a hundred percent to one practice and go deep with it than to take on a lot of different practices. However, that you know, there there are certainly cases, um, especially in. Indian uh, lore about ancient gurus who ha actually had multiple gurus. Krishna had multiple gurus. Um, and uh, I mean, really, Baba Hariharananda had multiple gurus also, in that not only did he have, you know, multiple gurus in the Kriya Yoga lineage, but before he met Sri Yukteswar, um, he had a guru that was. Um, a master of uh, the path of Gyana Yoga, the the path of knowledge, which is sort of like reading the spiritual scriptures and meditating on them and, and applying them in your daily life and trying to realize God through that route. Um, so he had a guru first, and then that guru recommended him go see Sri Yukteswar. Um, and actually, when Baba was practicing um, uh, in, in seclusion, there's a famous story that a... Um, something of a kind of a mysterious yogi came to him and and gave him some techniques that helped his practice which actually was uh, the technique of uh, washing your breath being being conscious of your breath um, and and he that particular yogi was not a Kriya yogi um, so so the masters are you know the a true master will always tell you that that the only real guru is God, and that you know the the forms that they come in are sort of um, just sort of agents of of God, of the spirit. And um, but anyway, uh, so this this friend of mine was urging me to read the disappearance of the universe, and it had to do with a course in miracles. Um, and uh, yeah, 
I, I had been given A Course in Miracles when I was 17, um, and I, I read through it, you know, I kind of, uh, I lightly uh, kind of flipped through it to get an idea of what it, what it was like, and it, you know, it, it really didn't resonate with me that strongly at the time. Um, and I, I just, you know, I frankly felt that that was a path I didn't, that just wasn't for me. Um, but when I read The Disappearance of the Universe, after about a year of my friend urging me to do so, I finally gave in. Uh, my friend was actually a Kriya yogi, so I was a little bit more, you know, I, I, I was a little bit more willing to listen to what she was had, had to say. Um, and so I read it, and it, and it was very, my experience was very similar to what I experienced with Autobiography of a Yogi, which is, um, I just sort of was... It resonated with me so strongly, I just sort of absorbed it immediately. I read it in like a day or two, and um, I, uh, you know, it, it sort of broke A Course in Miracles down, so it's more understandable, um, and why it's so important. And, and basically, A Course in Miracles is all just about forgiveness, true forgiveness. Um, and as strange as it, as it was to my mind, I felt in my heart that somehow, um, you know, there, there's sort of no accidents in salvation, as the Course actually says, and that, you know, my, it's, it, you know, it was clearly no accident that I was brought to a realized Kriya Yoga master. Uh, you know, anybody who comes in contact with a, a, a master like that, it's, it's no random chance event. And so I felt the same way about A Course in Miracles in this book. And what's nice is, is you can kind of practice Kriya Yoga and the thought system of A Course in Miracles hand in hand. You really can do, because A Course in Miracles is really just a thought system. So it's, it's about training your mind to, to relinquish judgments and instead uh, seek forgiveness in its place. So really there's, there's no conflict if you want to practice um, Kriya Yoga and A Course in Miracles or even A Course in Miracles with any other practice that you might be practicing um and but but what's what was most interesting to me was um in autobiography of a yogi yogananda clearly states that um you know kriya yoga was resurrected in 1861 by babaji maharaj who's sort of an immortal avatar and he gave it to lahiri mahashaya to publicly bring to the eastern world and ultimately to the west but yogananda made it very clear he made two things very clear the first one was the whole reason Babaji sent Kriya Yoga to the West was because according to Yogananda, Jesus Christ himself appeared to Babaji and asked him to send this science to the Western world, um, specifically for the Christian world, because although they were devout followers, they, they had no experience with inner God communion. So he wanted people to still go to church and, and believe the Bible or whatever their religion was. Um, but if they practice this Kriya Yoga science, which is non-secretarian, then, you know, it would, it would really help uh, speed up their own spiritual evolution, but it would also help them to directly experience God and, and have a deeper uh, personal relationship with God within themselves. And Babaji himself told Lahir Mahashaya that... Um, the Kriya Yoga science is, is an immortal science that um, is the same science that Krishna gave to Arjuna, Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita. Um, and he also says that the same science was directly known by Jesus Christ and um, St. Paul and other disciples of Christ. So that was really interesting to me. 
Um, and Yogananda goes on to state that uh, the fact is Babaji and Jesus are sort of working together for the, the salvation of the, the planet. And they've, they've worked out the technique of salvation for mankind. So because of that, if you go into, um, you know, in any place that practice, that, that teaches Kriya Yoga with, through the Yogananda lineage, you'll see pictures of Jesus in there and in the actual lineup of the gurus. And he tells, he, the reason he, he, Yogananda gives that he's in there is because, uh, in fact, Jesus was the one that, that sort of, you know, started uh, the Kriya Yoga movement to the West. And so he's directly in the Kriya Yoga lineage. Um, so Kriya Yoga is Babaji's contribution to the world for spiritual awakening. And uh, Course in Miracles is um, Jesus's direct contribution. So not only can they go hand in hand, but it's, it's almost as if um, they were specifically designed to, to go hand in hand for the, the quickest path of, of waking up for, for mankind that's, that's the most uh, direct and also the most um, practical. So that, that's been very fascinating for me, um, the fact that Jesus is, uh, you, you know, it's, it's almost like they, they were meant to go together, uh, that there's sort of a more of a divine plan for the two the two paths um it's it is it is crucial to forget you know to cultivate a, a consciousness of forgiveness and i found that it's helped me tremendously in my kriya yoga practice so so when, for example when you practice kriya yoga it will speed up your your evolution but it, it what will happen is it, it's sort of a cleansing process for your deeper unconscious mind so anything that's in there, you know, karma or what people might call sin or, uh, you know, unconscious guilt or just stuff that's kind of buried down in your mind from lifetimes of, you know, wandering around in the illusion and, and uh, accumulating karma, it starts to come up and it comes up fast and, and it can manifest in events in your life that are unpleasant. You know, you might experience... Uh, unpleasant situations with particular people or, or events or, or, you know, things like that, the Course in Miracles helps to sort of trains your mind to be able to handle those situations effectively and, and see them as what they are, uh, as sort of your own projection of your own guilt that you separated yourself from God. And so the forgiveness comes into play. You realize that this is just a dream, first of all. And so that lessens the impact of anything negative that might come your way. It's anything that happens in your life that's negative or has a negative impact on you is something that's in our mind that just needs to be healed. You know, it's sort of symbolic of what's in our mind. It needs to be healed. So the forgiveness allows us to do that. Whereas the, you know, for thousands of years, the path of many yogis and mystics was to kind of, um, you know, get away from the world. You know, they, they might go into caves or into the forest or, you know, even even a hermitage where the idea was to kind of disconnect themselves from the worlds, from all those experiences I kind of just described, and to just be with God. And that path will work. Any path ultimately leads to God. However, it's um, it's extremely difficult and it's it's not really practical for everybody to, to be able to do. You know, not everybody can just drop everything and go to the forest or a cave or something. And so that's kind of the spirit of the times that we're in now. 
um, and Kriya Yoga was specifically Kriya Yoga originally was was um, basically just for it was reserved for uh, highly devout, highly advanced monks. You know, specifically like Hindu monks. Um, it was very closely kept secret, and uh, you know now it's kind of available to all mankind, whether they're you know whether they become a monk or not a monk. But you know, the, you know, people can become a monk if they feel inspired that they need to do that. But you know, the real message of Kriya Yoga and and A Course in Miracles is that um, you know this is it's for everybody. It's 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 for householders specifically. Like you know, if you're in a household, if you have a wife and kids or you know uh, a job, you can you can still do those things and you can still reach God. You can still get salvation and still have bliss and joy in your life. And so that's what I think is so beautiful about it. A Course in Miracles kind of, um, instead of avoiding the world, because in the Eastern, um, aside from Kriya, Kriya Yoga comes from India, but, um, you know, the culture and the mindset of, of the East and, you know, the Hindu methods for dealing with what they call Maya, the illusion, is, you know, and you'll see this in the teachings from the gurus because... They're Kriya yogis, but they also come from a Hindu background. Is you know things like um, avoiding certain things in the world, avoiding certain situations or people, um, resisting you know any any uh, sensual urges you might have or, or temptations, and it it works. But instead of um, it's kind of like in martial arts, you know, there's different types of martial arts where uh, some of them are a lot more. They employ resistance against your opponent more uh and sort of sort of a full-on you know direct approach to stopping the opponent and then there's other there's other methods that sort of use your opponent's energy against them so you're not really doing anything you know if somebody's attacking you kind of like in judo you can kind of use the momentum of their attack and and just like send it back to them um and so that's kind of what a course of miracles does spiritually you can sort of be in the midst of the real world that we live in um, where there's challenging people all over the place and you can actually use them you can use their negative experiences to to wake up with advanced forgiveness so you know it's it's just a an amazing opportunity because you can practice kriya yoga at home and then you know you go out into the world school work the marketplace travel whatever you know you better believe there's going to be all kinds of people out there that you know are going to be a challenge or rub you the wrong way or or um you know a lot of spiritual people understand this and, and that's why a lot of them want to kind of like avoid the world or you know go live in an ashram or something and it's not that living in an ashram is bad because you know whatever whatever's in your mind that needs to be healed and cleansed will come up whether you're in an ashram or in the world but you know it, it really helps to move away from from the awareness of duality of subject and object, you know, kind of seeing like, okay, well, here I am, and then everybody else is out there um, in the world and the universe, um, and people that annoy you, especially the, the ego mind, wants to separate from them. Uh, separation is really the the um, kind of the the name of the game for the universe that we live in here. It's ultimately it's all symbolic of the separation from God. We believe that we separate ourselves from God and separation just plays itself out in an infinite number of different ways and patterns.
But if you just look at the world around us, everything is separated. Everything has a uh, height and width and length and weight and you know everything appears to be separate. That's the illusion. So if you can see somebody that's irritating you as really it's you. It's literally you. There's no escaping yourself. There's only you. Um, and that's what an, a realized master ultimately realizes is that you know uh, God is one. Everything is God. So you you're God, but but there's just no there's nothing else besides that. And anything that that appears to be uh, separate or or not God is is just an illusion. It's just a play of the mind. So the forgiveness is. Uh, sort of crucial in being able to to handle the world that we live in and to, and to deal with difficult situations and events. That is very interesting. We've just hit time, Justin. It's been 30 minutes. Time has flown. It's been some amazing concepts you've talked about. Um, is Do you want to go for part two? We could do part two. This is Aaron O'Dowd in part two of a two-part episode where we'll be talking to Justin Vanderwin about his feelings towards spirituality, more of his story, and various other things. Rock on. Thank you for spending the time to listen to the show. If you want to learn more, check out sansiche.com. That's S-A-N-C-I-T dot com. Join Sansiche Group on Facebook and contact us if you have any questions. Until next time, have an awesome day and rock on.